0: Hello, and welcome to HR Unplugged. In today's episode, Anita Grantham, Bamboo HR, Head of HR, and Vanessa Brulot, Bamboo HR Human Resource Business Partner, discuss exiting with flair, mastering the art of being a good leaver. By the end of the podcast, you will learn why building a habit of ongoing career conversation is important, how to leave your job better than you found it, how to make the transition easier for you and your employer, Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. We have an exciting guest today for our episode of HR Unplugged. I'd like to welcome Jennifer Pomerantz, Director of People Operations at Zuva. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, you, Vanessa. Yes. Can you give our audience a quick introduction?
1: Absolutely. So I'm super excited to be here. Um, I am a big fan of Bamboo HR, um, as well as the amazing community that you have all created for us HR and people and culture folks folks around the globe. Uh, I'm part of that HR heroes um, group and community and I use it often. I absolutely love it. So kudos to you guys for uh, cultivating that. Um, And this topic is actually quite near and dear to me. Um, Not only have I been on the receiving end of a team member leaving or being in the role of the HR, you know, person dealing with that, but I've actually left a company after several years of working there and then returned to that company a few years later. So, um, again, really important to be a good leader because you just never know. Um, And case in point, I returned and and, uh, went right back there. Um, So yes, I'm Jennifer Pomerantz. I'm the Director of People Operations at ZUVA. Uh, ZUVA is a spin-out of Cura Systems, which was acquired in 2021 and provides embeddable contracts AI. Uh, Certainly AI is a very popular hot topic right now. Um, And ZUVA Doc AI allows users to automatically extract key information from their contracts and business documents. I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I've been in HR for gasp about 20 years, um, and my passion is definitely employee program development, engagement, process improvement, um, the employee experience, and um, yeah, I have a lot of passions (laughs) in the HR world. Um, So just about my entire HR career has been in corporate, primarily the legal industry, and uh, almost two years now, which I can't believe, I made the leap to the tech world, which has been such an amazing experience. Huge learning experience for me. Um, We are located in Toronto, Canada. I was just joking with Anita about how we drop the final T when we say Toronto, um, where most of employees are based out of, however, we do have people all across the globe as a remote first company. So um, very interesting dynamics there. Outside of work, we're big sports fans, big Toronto Maple Leafs and Blue Jay fans, and enjoy traveling and exploring new food scenes with our two teenage boys. So that's it about me. That's
0: awesome. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Well, And Jennifer, you're making me a lot more excited about my my future trips. I kind (laughs) of want to to visit Toronto now. (laughs) There you go. A little plug for the big six. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited you're able to join our chat today, Jennifer. I think we're going to have a great discussion. And I know you have so many good things to share with our audience. So let's get started. We have so many great conversations in this space about hiring and retention, but today we're turning our thoughts to a topic that impacts all of us individually, how to be a good leaver. I'd love to start with Anita to get a sense of what the state of things is right
2: now for people leaving their jobs. Anita? So this is wild, everybody. It hasn't really slowed down. People are definitely still thinking about leaving their jobs. 75% of employees admit they've thought about leaving their job in the past year. So for all of you recruiters out there, you just make that phone call because the chances are (laughs) that the person that you're calling has thought about it in the last year. And among employees who've thought about quitting, 43% said their salaries haven't kept pace with inflation. That's been a big challenge, right? It's been really hard for our businesses, especially our small business customers, to keep up with the pace of inflation that we've experienced. And then this is really interesting for all of us here, our HR heroes. Among HR professionals, 10% say they've considered leaving because they're unable to treat employees the way that they think is right. And I have heard this a lot, just that it's a real challenge to be able to do the things that they want to do. What do you think, Jennifer, has this been? Have you experienced these things? And we'd love to get your thoughts.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I I think that definitely people are still thinking about it. But there's many reasons that we're going to get into that people, you know, decide to stay. Um, I think that some people do regret not leaving during the Great Resignation. Um, can I share that next quote, that that next statistics about workers who of choose course. to stay? Yeah, so um, as hiring slowed throughout the first quarter of 2023, 8% of workers who chose to stay with their employers say they'd wish they left while they still had the chance, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And then, of course, some people want to leave, but they just can't. Um, another statistic, nearly half of employees, 45%, say that they put up with little frustrations at their job because they're not able to quit. The top reasons employees are motivated to stay where they are, which makes perfect sense, include depending on their income, job security, benefits, being overwhelmed by changing jobs, fears of a recession coming, which we of course have seen, and doubts at finding a better work environment.
2: Yeah, you know, I agree with you, Jennifer, the grass isn't greener. This is, you know, what I'd love. I saw some comments here of, you know, if I could have made the changes I wanted to make, I would have stayed. And if there's one thing you take away is who could you be as a person in your organization to make the changes, to make it a place where you'd want to stay? Because I think if we looked at it from that lens, then maybe if I was a leader and I was more open to hearing that, we could make the changes that would let people stay. Because I don't think, um, you know, large organizations, small organizations, global, local, whatever it is that you feel like you're missing out there, everyone has their own problems, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And the little frustrations may not be deal breakers. Uh, Maybe they outweigh the reasons for staying, but it's a matter of
2: figuring out what's important to you. Well, and have you ever been to a place where there's no frustrations? Let me say now. No, <laughs> no like, kidding. <laughs> take, take me to the job where there's no frustration ever and everybody's overpaid. That's like utopia, right? Right.
0: Well, we got Absolutely. some uh, two really good questions kind of surrounding this. I know we're going to kind of hit on some of these things later too, but uh, Susan had asked, with COVID and inflation making business unstable, how do employees battle against job hopping? Whoa, this is, this is so good. Jennifer, what do you think?
1: How do employees battle against job hunting? Well, I think a, a, a huge one is like you said, Anita, the grass is not always greener. So you do have to consider what you have, what is in your control, what is changeable, um, and whether those little frustrations, uh, you know, um, are deal breakers or not.
2: The other thing too, Susan, is a lot of people I know that hopped for bigger salaries, now their company doesn't isn't around anymore. Their company is gone. And we, so, I, right, go ahead. You were going to jump we in. We have absolutely,
1: we, I think we've all seen that. I think we all know someone that maybe did make that hop or that leap. And it was, you know, uh, a very exciting, uh, shiny new opportunity in a really big
2: company. And then a couple of weeks later, things unfortunately went south. Yeah. So it's so important that job seekers really do their homework. And as recruiters, we've got to sell what is accurately happening in the business. And so if you listen to the pitch and you're like, I don't want to work here, then maybe that's a conversation you need to have about whether we should be hiring or not. It's a great strategic way to get to the table to have conversations because so many people have gone for that bright, shiny object, which is usually a higher salary. You know, I see it from 5, 10, 15, 20, 30% more. And to me, if somebody is willing to pay 20 to 50% more, I would go back and say, well, how's your pay equity plan? You know, how is your cash balance and how's your profitability in your business if you're willing to pay this much more? To me, those are all red flags of businesses that maybe need some more rigor around their operations and hiring practices. And so as candidates, You know, I always, I always like to warn candidates in that perspective and sitting on the HR side, I love to do the good old Ben Franklin, right? Base salary, (laughs) salary. bonus, bonus, contribution to HSA or health insurance plan, and really see what you net out. Because when you do that with team members that are thinking of hopping, usually it's not for that much more, especially when you take out, you know, taxes, the net take maybe two Starbucks a week. And is it worth it for that?
1: I totally agree, Anita. And I have to say, um, you know, I I even tell this to my children. um, Money does not bring happiness, uh, does not bring fulfillment necessarily. It might make life easier, but it doesn't necessarily bring job fulfillment. So even if you do hop for, you know, a a larger salary, you might be walking into something that's going to make you very unhappy. So very important to do your due diligence on your next role. For sure.
0: Well, before we jump into the next section, there's one question that I wanted to hit on right before Allison had a really good, unique question is, when you leave, how do you deal with putting bullies in their place? I want to walk after giving two weeks, but the atmosphere is super toxic. What kind of advice do you have for Allison in that scenario? Wow. Well, first of all, I, I would personally say that uh, I don't think
1: anyone would blame you for walking from a toxic environment. <laughs> first and foremost, nobody should be staying in a toxic environment.
2: Yeah, I think if you're feeling like you're really in a place that is super toxic, just get out, like, don't stay there to be punished anymore, get yourself out. And, you know, people understand that. And I love this tip, take PTOs your last two weeks. That's a great, a great way to do it. But nothing is worth sacrificing your own mental health and your own well-being. So take care of yourself first and, and find a way to, to get out. A
1: hundred percent and and you may sort of have that daydream or fantasy of you know putting the bullies in their place before you leave, but you know that I think you have to decide where is the right communication channel. I mean, if you have an exit interview, if you're able to give upward feedback to someone, but I think it is important to share if um you know there's someone that has made your time really difficult. I think that is important to share with people that can make a change.
2: I do too. I, you know I mean things like that have happened you know, in organizations that I've worked in before. And I've always wished that the person felt safe enough to reach out to me and let me know. And yes. I know it's a big risk. We're going to talk about some risky things here in the next section. But, you know, I know Jennifer and I would want to hear any time somebody's experienced that inside our organizations. And, you know, uh, it's just not, it's not something we should stand for. So we've got to help each other and help that person see that the, the behavior that they're exhibiting is not useful.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And- yeah. Well, thank you both for for answering
0: those those questions. And I'd love to talk now about what employees should be focusing on even before they leave a job or consider leaving a job. Jennifer, let's start with you. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm a really big proponent
1: of um you know, personal goals and how they fit in with your company culture and your company's core goals. So I think the first step is always considering what your core values are um, and whether they align with your company's core values. I think that's the first thing to be aware of, um, even before you you're ever getting to the point of thinking of moving on. Uh, the next step definitely is building a habit of ongoing career. Uh, development conversations with your manager, you definitely have to be the advocate for your career. Um, so if your manager isn't doing that with you on their own, and they should be, but you know, in reality, sometimes you have a new manager or you have a manager that maybe is not as strong at career uh, and professional development as others. Um, you d- You need to take the initiative on your own and make sure that those ongoing conversations happen.
0: I completely agree, Jennifer. You have to be your own advocate. And I love that you said bringing it up with your manager yourself and not just waiting for them to bring, up, bring it up. But then also in inside your organization. I was thinking about this uh, earlier this morning of like, look inside your organization. You probably have a lot of good mentors, people with lots of years of experience. So you can tap into, hey, what has your experience been like? What can I learn from them? You know, how did they get into you know a leadership role? If that's the the route you want to take, kind of seek out those external mentors as well and and develop yourself. Are there external certifications you can get? You know, be your own advocate and believe in yourself
2: because that's where you're going to get places. Anita, I'd love to hear like- your
0: thoughts on this.
2: Yeah, I, I'm aligned with what you both described, and the other just litmus test. I love to. To do on myself is if I ever feel like I have to deliver a message on behalf of the company and I don't feel inside of integrity in delivering that message, it's probably time for me to go. And so to me, that's just a, a big part when you consider leaving, is if you don't feel you can authentically represent the brand, represent the leadership. And represent what's there. And it doesn't matter whether you've tried to do something or not about it up until that point. If you're no longer committed and you're already getting one foot out the door, just, you know, again, that's another integrity point for me. Just call it and let's figure out a way to get you into your next thing versus staying and trying to be inauthentic because then you're just kind of um, you know, you're know, you delivering a, a sour message to all the team members that are there. And that's not fair to the team members that have chosen to stay. And it's not fair to the organization. And I feel like that's sometimes something that we missed is we signed up for this job. We didn't go unwillingly into this organization. And sometimes when we're exiting, we forget. We feel like we've been held hostage. And I like team members to remember, you're not being held hostage. You didn't sign under duress. You're here by choice. And so if you don't line up to it anymore, that's great. But let's find a above bar. Our way to exit.
1: That response makes me want to jump up and down, Anita. That's <laughs> so it so resonates what you're saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you when you said you're not held by the company, I immediately thought of that term of like the golden handcuffs. And it's like those don't don't like. <laughs> Yeah, I've never experienced those. <laughs> <laughs> it's very freeing. This is really good yeah. advice, Anita. And so how should leaders approach these conversations with their employees? Sometimes it can be hard for employees to be truthful with their employers about why things are hard or that they're thinking about leaving. Jennifer, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it can definitely be hard sometimes for everyone, regardless of what level and what role you're in. Um, Leaders should establish clear goals and objectives with each employee. And as we said, if they are not doing that on their own, you definitely need to be your own advocate Um, You know, it's super important to have regular pulse check ins and goal setting conversations with your manager, whether it's during schedule, you know, regularly scheduled one on one meetings or your performance review meetings. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate of having more than one performance review discussion uh, per year. Um, and that can actually be very useful to, to do it more than once a year, just for that ongoing regular check-ins on goals and, and how um, you know, the employees are feeling. Um, and not just to discuss it, but to review those goals each cycle and to see which goals have been met, which ones you're still working on, what new goals you want to, um, uh, you want to uh, create and Katie says 100%, I see, or uh, there's some interesting chats here, I'm just noticing. Um, and as a leader, you need to know what your employees want, want out of their careers and where they're going at your company. Otherwise, they will leave.
2: I yeah, completely agree. Yeah. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise. We did an episode two, was it, I don't know, a month ago, Vanessa, where we talked about you know what it was like to not give... Um, to not be surprised in these conversations, either when the company is letting you go or whether the employee is leaving. And what's funny is the employee is like, the company surprised me when they're terminating me. Yet at the same time, it seems okay for the employee to give a surprise to the employer and say, hey, I'm leaving you. So I would just love to have a case around, it shouldn't be surprise on either side of the equation. That's the world, I, that's utopia of what I'd love us to get to. And how do we have ongoing conversations? I was talking to you know, a colleague of mine in another organization over the last month. And he said to his leader, if you do this, I will resign. Like, if this is what happens, oh I, I will submit to you my resignation. And I think we need to have more conversations like that, not from a dramatic standpoint and not from a threatening standpoint, but like if the business chooses to do these things, I can no longer represent the way that it has been. And that's a deal breaker for me. And I think you can be upright and direct about those things and still be really straightforward. And I think you could have that on the employer thing, right? Like if this mistake happens one more time, I'm going to have to let you go. I can't, I can't have somebody treating our customers this way or having these defects in our product, like just be straight in the conversation. We're so afraid to have these conversations. Yeah.
0: Well, there was, there was a question that kind of uh, came in here is what about from an HR point of view, when you hear about employees giving their two weeks, is there a playbook for managers and what steps they take to help that employee be a good lever? Um, And I know you kind of added to this, Anita, but do you want to expand on that a
2: little bit further? Well, there's not a playbook. Um, Jennifer and I talked about this a lot in the prep session, right? It depends on the role, um, the criticality of the role to the business, the time that they've been in seat, and what their succession plan looks like on their team. Do you have somebody that you can slate in? And all of those you must take into account. So we could probably create a list like a checklist of things, right? Time and role, criticality of the business, um, succession plan, yes or no, what that looks like to determine what type of timeline it needs to be thought about before somebody goes what do you think jennifer you have some great ideas yeah on.
1: no i totally agree i think checklists are really important and and to have that shared you know right away so things can start getting in motion um you know transition uh standard operating procedures things we're gonna talk a little bit of more about as we get into this discussion yeah
0: well, you both have so much good insight into how both leaders should help lever or how leader, say this 10 times fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a time <laughs> choicer for, for sure. <laughs> I knew this would happen. Uh, leaders should help levers and how levers should leave a job. I'd like to shift focus now and talk about employees that are staying in jobs they don't like. Anita, let's start with you. What advice do you have for employees that are staying in a job that
2: they don't like? So y'all know this about me. I think life is too short to spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you don't like, like, right. We only have, what is it? We only have 4,000 weeks if you live till age 80 and then you die. So do you want oh, to, you know, do you want to spend one of those weeks or, you know, 52 of those weeks in a job that you don't like? There's too many opportunities in the world to be unhappy in your work. So, and also the people that work with you probably recognize that you're are miserable. And so the company would benefit, you would benefit. I guarantee the people that you have in your community and your home and your loved ones would also benefit. So figure out, you know, what it is that you don't like and figure out what it would take for you to stay. What would have to be like the reasons for you to stay because this lets you understand where your dissatisfaction is coming from. But oftentimes, right, we let things build up, build up, build up and then we break. And so if you can really understand the core of your dissatisfaction, is it a pattern? Is it a person? Is it a customer? Um, Is it the overall organization and the mission? Is it one team or one person? And have you done everything that you feel like you want to do to make it change? Or are you unwilling to do that and it's just time to start from scratch? But sometimes when you're in those places, and I've been in that place before, it's kind of hard to dissect everything that's going on.
0: Well, Jennifer, I'm sure you also have some great advice for employees that are staying in a job they don't like. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah,
1: no, I agree with everything Anita just said. And there's some really interesting comments in the chat here, especially uh, around not leaving until you have something lined up. And how do you leave your family's business? That's a really tricky one. That that could probably be a whole other um, HR unplugged about family businesses. But um, yes, I mean, we've heard about We've all heard about the quiet quitters, um, you know, the people who don't like their job, but they stay for various reasons and are simply meeting their job description and going through the basic motions. It's definitely good to know, as Anita said, what your deal breakers are in a job. And I think this is another area where, again, you really want to check in and see if your values are aligned with the company's core values. For example, if trust is a really critical core value for you it would likely be very important to you that you're part of a work culture of trust and that you can trust your senior leadership team, your direct managers, your team members. So um, you, know, you really need to check in with your inner self and see what those deal breakers are and how things align with how your company is running.
0: Mm-hmm. That ties into that comment earlier of, of being authentic. And if you can't be your authentic self and represent those values, it, it just doesn't work. Nope. So once you've decided to leave your job What should you focus on? Jennifer, let's start with you. Oh my goodness. It is so important to leave
1: everything better than the way you found it. Um, I know that's easier said than done, but it is so important. Um, And I mean, I, I am part of a spin out where I had a predecessor company and a predecessor people team set things up so beautifully for me. So if anyone's on, shout out to how they left things and and you know, onboarded me because it made the transition so wonderful. Uh and that's the way it should be done. So um definitely really important. If you're pursuing a new opportunity that better suits your career path, which, you know, is fair to do, you need to make sure everything is buttoned up before you go. You need to understand exactly what the next person in your position will need to know and be transparent about it. Um, If it's acceptable, share, you know, what you think the team is doing well right now and where there are some pain points and some struggling that they should be aware of. I think that's a really, you know, fair thing to do for someone coming in. And maybe don't leave at that particular time if your team is not performing or if your team is, you know, in chaos um, always consider the person who is going to be your interim, uh, person or the person coming in after you have the empathy, uh, for putting yourself in their shoes and what they may, might be coming into. Um, and if they have a lot to clean up, then, um, you know, again, maybe it's not the right time or, or you need to make sure that you do leave things in good order. Again, you want to leave on, uh, good terms. You never know if you're going to come back, if you're going to need a reference check. Uh, we don't ever want to burn, burn bridges.
0: Well, I love that you mentioned being transparent around points of excellence and struggles. I know you mentioned that person that transitioned with you, that it was an easy transition because they had everything laid out for you and they were very transparent and that probably allowed you and enabled you to be able to make a much bigger, more immediate impact because you're not having to start your your role in discovery phase and hoping that people will be open with you when you haven't built trust yet. It it really enables things to keep moving um, in the business and gives you an even greater experience. But I love, there was a comment from Kathy in the chat, leave your job in the way you want to start your next job, how you live, how you enter, (laughs) life principle, That's (laughs)
2: that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but I love that you mentioned that. So, Anita, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just have to double down. Jennifer and I talked a lot about this in the prep. It's so important to leave your job the way you want to find it. I love that quote. So, thank you for sending that out. And so many people don't because they're so angry in the time of exit, right? They feel like they've been mistreated. They're really frustrated. They just want to get on to the next thing. And look, we all know that back channel references are real. And people are going to call that organization and figure out exactly how you left. And I might really have enjoyed working with somebody, and then they left the organization in a real lurch and didn't point out to me where the blind spots and potholes were. And I'm pretty frustrated at that point. It actually kind of taints the reference that I would have given before you left because of how you left. It's the same thing. As soon as you offer somebody a job, you automatically find out what their hot buttons are when you start talking about compensation and all of those things. And sometimes they're different in the offer stage than they were in the interview stage. Leaving mm-hmm. is the same way. So do you, have you served up a plan for who's going to replace you? Do you have a way mm-hmm. to think through the areas that we're going to be left untouched or uncovered during your absence? You know, have you really thought through these things in a way so that your team knows what they can count on and what they can't count on while you're gone? I mean, it's the same thing as going on vacation. I always get uh, like, you know, hung up when people leave on holiday, but no one knows that they're gone and then no one knows how to help them out. So I think these are just best operational practices so that you can maintain your relationships. And you may say, Hey, I don't care. They treated me so poorly, but Mm -hmm. Hey, there's many times where I've had to call a reference or I've applied for a job and somebody that I was in the crosshairs with is on the other side of that table. And that's the wrong time to try to clean it up. So really be thoughtful. You just never know. Everybody's seven degrees from separation. Um, Treat people the way you'd want to be treated as you exit.
1: That is so true. And when we were doing our prep call, we we taught, I, I had this, you know, very real anecdote that, you know, I know people who maybe didn't um, treat necessarily everyone in the best way in their particular environment. And then they went to go look for a new job. And lo and behold, this friend who didn't, you know, maybe have the best relationship with some people in her group, She went to apply for the next job, and one of those people ended up being the recruiter where they had the power of moving her forward or not. So you always want to leave uh, things nicely, for sure.
2: You know, and I know a lot of states and countries are doing away with the non-solicit agreements, and I don't really care. No one really enforced them anyway. You know, it's just extra paper for you to sign when you're a new hire. And at the same time, I really want to think about the integrity we have from you know, HR team to HR team. You know, and if I really respect Jennifer, am I gonna go recruit people out of her team? Um, you know, if somebody applies, I might give her a call and say, Hey, do you wanna offload this person? Or what do you want to do? <laughs> I, um, but that happens a lot too. So you've got to be really aware about what you're doing when you're soliciting from other teams. This world is too small. And it's important that you really speak positively about your time at the organization and the coworkers. Again, I don't want to be inauthentic. I'm not asking for you to say half-truths, but I do think that every place has a positive thing you can find. And if you can't find anything, there's been many times where I've just said, hey, you know, we just decided to part ways and I wish them all the best, right? So there's still a way that you can be respectful and not get into it. And, you know, I always want to speak about people the way I'd want them to speak about me. I love that. keeping Keeping it
0: positive. Because they can definitely, even after the leaving, it can be easy to spiral in the other direction. And so I love that just speaking positively, consistently. And I'm loving all this insight from both of you. Let's flip it a bit and talk about how leaders and managers
2: can make departures easier. Anita? Anita? Yeah. There's a lot of ways that leaders can be better about this. First, you have to get over yourself. If somebody leaves you, it doesn't mean that you're a bad manager. I've worked with so many leaders that are like, oh, they left me. I'm I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That may be the case. We'll work through that later. But let's figure out how we get them through this. And it's not about you. It's about them. So let's move, move forward, like really go through that same checklist that we talked about with the lever. Talk about it for you as the leader. Is there a succession plan? What are the gaps? What are the things that you have to find out about this person's job that you may not know before they go? And if I don't know enough about their job, I ask them that question. I'm like, what are the things that I don't know that I should know about your job so we can determine the departure timeline, the impact of the timeline for transition? And we want to make sure that the transition is quick and effective. Having people stay too long is dangerous. But if you have them stay not long enough, then you may not have everything tied up. What do you think, Jennifer?
1: Yeah, no, definitely, Anita. Um, It's important to consider how long the notice period should be, um, especially if your role is large and you have a lot of responsibilities. So I firmly believe that there are some roles that are totally fine for two weeks notice. Um, You know, you you tie up your loose ends, as we discussed, um, and you you go off onto your next role or you have a gap in between uh, for time off. Um, But others, I think, should definitely be a little bit longer than two weeks. So, for example, if you are managing several large projects, you know, big implementations where you are, you know, that lead, that project manager, or you're leading a really large team, uh, it may be helpful to provide more than two weeks to get things in order before you go. So I think you really do have to look at the role, um, your involvement, what you have on the go and, um, you know, ensure that there are very clearly documented standard operating procedures in place. I've been I've been looking through the chats and I've seen references to SOPs. So I think we're on the same track here. We're all on the same page. Uh, But really, really important either, you know, if there aren't any in place, which hopefully there are, but if there aren't. Uh, definitely create them. Uh, if there are, definitely update what's already in place uh, before you go. Iterate on them, evolve them based on what, how things are leaving off with you, um, because things may have changed greatly since they were first drafted. Um, and best practice would be to create these well before you leave, not scrambled. I mean, I've been in, on the other side where I've been moving into a new role. And sort of on my first day, the person was leaving and sort of threw things, uh, didn't have time to explain. They weren't really complete. And it was a bit challenging on my end. Um, this was well uh, many years ago. Um, so very important to put some time and effort into it, not just scramble and piece things together at the last second. And if there is an opportunity, there isn't always, but to cross train your replacement. I mean, sometimes you have that opportunity where you're uh, the new person coming in is shadowing you and you can train them. Review those operating procedures with the person well in advance in case they have questions or need clarification. Um, again, not always possible. Often, uh, you have a gap in between of uh, the new person coming on. Um, so, just make sure that those instructions are really clear. Um, I know I've relied on these before when coming into a new job, and was really grateful to have them. And on the flip side, when I left my last job, I was really careful to have detailed uh, SOPs as well. And um, you know, I'm sure it, it helps everyone, as we said, with with the transition afterwards. Always put yourself in those person's shoes. No trio. It's
0: no trio. Well, thank you both for for answering all these questions and and uh, talking through this content. I'd love to open this up for a Q and A session, and we've got a couple of questions in the chat. I know Jennifer, you're calling out the uh, the bus books, or you know, if I get hit by a bus reference,
2: I love that. I always use I always use if you win the lottery. I don't. I use a more positive mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah, I always say if you retire on a beach in Jamaica, <laughs> right. <laughs> well we've got a question here
0: when is staying an action of integrity opposed to oops I lost it um so I'm going to start over when is staying an action of integrity opposed to staying because you have mothering tendencies as a leader oh let's talk to the mothers. that's tough
2: (laughs) tough. Jennifer you want to weigh in
1: Well, I think that we all, you know, I think many HR professionals have that tendency to want to fix things and and make things better. Um, So I, I can relate to that question.
2: Um, What do you think, Anita? You know, I I have a lot of talks with our team about mothering tendencies, and we are not here to mother an organization. We are here to enable leaders to be great. And so like, and it's not by doing the work, it's teaching them how to fish, not by fishing for them. And I think exactly. this is a key differentiator as we grow in our HR field from doing it all to helping the leader do it for themselves. And so to me, integrity always weighs out. And I know that that there's times where you feel like you can't see clearly on that, but who do you wanna be? And what do you wanna be remembered for? And do you wanna be remembered for somebody that stood up for what was right? Or do you wanna be remembered for somebody that took care of everybody that was doing something maybe not as right for the organization? <sighs> I totally agree. When it goes back to that
0: conversation of enabling a leader-led organization, do the right thing and and that tendency of, I want to help. I want to help this person. But sometimes we have to catch ourselves too, or somebody else has to catch and be like, hey, you were helping. You weren't being strategic and and switching that mindset. Right. It's about giving the tools
1: and enabling the leaders and the and the managers. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Kathy had a good question. Is there a place for a lever to make themselves available after they have left for the new person coming in if they are swamped and need some input to contact them directly?
1: That's that's such a good, uh, good question. So I have actually seen both. Um, I have seen people um, because of the circumstances and maybe they left not you know, super happy. Uh, Or, uh, you know, another scenario is that they left into a very, very busy job and they're just sort of, you know, head first into that job. Um, But I've also seen the flip side where people make themselves available if team members have questions uh, or have a, you know, need clarification on a specific um, procedure or instructions they've left. And um, I think it really depends on the person and the circumstances and, the, and, and you know, this, the situation in which they left that company. I usually do make myself available um, for questions. I, I don't know if that's more of an, an HR uh, cultural thing, but uh, you know, certainly um, if I can make someone's life a little bit easier and help the company I've left, I will. But it's not always possible. It depends on the situation.
2: I, I'm aligned with that. I've seen it work a number of times really, really well. I, I'm always doing that myself. I, um, and I've seen it work in product tech, sales, you know, all types of transitions. And it also depends why people are leaving. Oftentimes, there's a life event or something happening and they have to move for a family member or something like that. So they can easily be available. I do think it's great to set them up with strong boundaries. Are they a contractor? Are they just kind of helping at will? And be clear on what you need and how often you need it and how long you'll need it for.
1: A hundred percent. And if you are one of those people that decide to sort of keep your, you know, email or your phone line open, again, like Anita just said, it's important to have boundaries. If it gets too far or gets a little out of hand, then, you know, you need to obviously be an advocate for yourself and, you know, let them know that you're there for an urgent situation, but you can't necessarily respond to everything ongoing. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, Jennifer, I have a really good question for you. uh you, (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. (laughs) Because you're you're referencing SOPs a lot and, and putting those together. Elena had a question of what if a manager doesn't take into consideration the SOP guide you leave behind?
1: So in terms of just sort of disregards it and does their own thing? My response to that is you have done everything you can. You have left things in good shape. You have, you know, um, you have provided the information that you feel would be useful. And um, you can't control that beyond what you've done. What they do with it is, you know, in their control, not, not ours.
0: Yeah, in that, that's true. You can only do control what you can control. That's right. And You can't control other people and their behaviors. Well, there's there's another question here, and I know that there were some people uh, chiming in in responding to this, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Uh, Christine asked, are bad references still prevalent? I am always so hesitant to say anything other than job verification. Yes, they worked here, this title, these dates. What advice do you have there? I saw that in the chat, and I, I immediately
1: uh, was noted, uh, noticing that comment because that's really interesting to me. I still believe in reference checks. I know some, you know, there's a bit of a divided uh, thought around reference checks. Even if you don't get information per se on the person's performance, you can still learn, you know, what sort of a um, leadership they enjoy, what sort of working style they have. But I'm going to say to that question, yes, um, I have conducted reference checks. For a candidate and uh, the person on the other end, uh, you know, didn't necessarily want to say anything negative because their policy was just what you're saying, confirming job dates and, you know, uh, role and whatnot. And they very candidly said to me, I'm not going to say much, but read between the lines Um So I took that (laughs) as a very strong uh, message um, and I appreciated it. But I would say, yes, um, you do sometimes get information in reference checks that uh, affects the decision for sure.
2: Mm -hmm. We should do a whole session on reference checks because there is an art to it. So here's the only question you need to have, whether you're a leader or a leaver. Would you enthusiastically rehire this person for this role if you could? Yeah, That's it. You just say yes or no. Exactly. And I often, if somebody's calling me as a ref, like they're saying, "Wow, oh, I want to check references on Jennifer." Like I open with, "I would enthusiastically rehire Jennifer again. What can I help you with?" So, like I'm like right to the point. And then if I'm not feeling that way, I would say, "You know, given the chance to work with so and so again in these types of circumstances, I'd probably pass." That is the number one question. That is, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And and you're being straight with people, and I think there, that's an integrity point too. But man, if I could have a penny for all the off book references calls that I get, um, you know, it's it's a lot. And yeah. so the way the way you leave, and it's not just like it's them going on boards, it's them working for nonprofits, it's them taking another operating role. So you know, it, it again speaks to how you how you treat that network will give and receive in and out of in and out of the network universe. Yeah. As you've said a few times today, Anita, it's a
1: very small world. It really is.
0: Well, I'm going to end the Q&A with this one last question from Sarah. How to deal with leadership telling us HR that they feel managed by us and that we have overstepped the boundaries? Do we just hold our tongue if we see something that
2: is hurting culture? Anita, what are your thoughts? If you see something, say something. We are not employed to be order takers. We are there to be the culture guides of the organization that's based. You always see me with my cards. These are the bamboo values. I keep them with me always because they help me stay centered on you know, leveling up the bar. And so if I see something that's hindering one of these values that I think that we can double down on and improve upon, of course, it's my job. And it's in the spirit of, hey, our mission is to set people free to do great work. When I see these interactions between these team members and these customers, I don't know that we're showing up in a way that is, um, where's my card, that is making it count for our customer. So you can put it into a context of like, here, here's our cultural context. This is the way that we want to treat each other and bring it up from that standpoint. And I heard a great quote again on my, I love Tim Ferriss. It was a podcast of his, and he had a guest that said, don't get furious, get curious. Ooh, so don't come That's a good from, one. It's great. Don't come from a judgment point of view, come from a curiosity standpoint and assume the best. And say, hey, this is what I'm observing. And it makes me wonder if it's really serving the culture that we want to have.
1: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree and echo with um, Anita's comments. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, as we've said, you can lead a horse to water. Um, I think you do always need to speak up and you need to, uh, you know, call uh, speak to something if it is not aligned with your culture and your values or, you know, there's room for improvement. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that the manager is going to follow that and may feel that you are um, in in some way, you know, stepping in where they don't want you to. Um, So, again, you can lead a horse to water and and it's important to express uh, what you feel is important, but it doesn't always get taken the way you'd want it to and implemented.
2: For sure. For sure.
0: Well, thank you both. I really love this discussion and all the goodness that has come through. And thank you, everyone in the chat, for just engaging and asking all the questions to drive more uh, content here. Anita, do you want to close this out and pull out the three takeaways we want everybody to remember?
2: Yes. I just have to highlight Maggie, though. She said, if you're leaving a job and don't want to do the exit survey, is that okay? Yes, just say, hey, thanks. I don't want to do the survey. You don't have to do the survey. If you have an engaged person, I might call you and say, hey, why aren't you doing my survey? What do I need to know? So it'd be a red flag. Also, I do love this question from Karen. One thing we've done in the past that's revealed several things we want to ask a candidate. Is there anything I should know before I contact your references? That's a great opener. And I've learned mm. lots of things from the candidate that the reference would have highlighted, but the candidate's got a dish first. So I really, I really do love that. So thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Jennifer, for coming and sharing in this important topic. That's thank you so much for having me. It was lots of fun. Oh, so much fun. So here are three takeaways. You heard Jennifer say it loud and proud. Be an advocate for your career. Speak up and take control of your career conversations. Don't wait for your leader to do it for you. Understand the core of the reason why you want to leave. Like journal about it, write it down, talk to mentors and people in your community and network about why you'd want to leave and how you'd be thoughtful about making a critical decision like that. And then really the assess the time and the situation that if you decide to leave, what type of lever do you want to be? What kind of notice do you want to give? How do you want to have things tightened up? How do you make sure that we do what Catherine said of leave the job like you would want to start it? And so we're really grateful for the time. Thanks again, Jennifer, for your great wisdom. And I learned lots of new things today too. Thank you so much. It was great to have you. And thanks to all of you HR heroes for joining us. We'll be back on June 29th, where we talk about how to manage employee turnover. So they're still leaving. How do we make those transitions easier? We're going to do a deep dive into this critical topic and take it one step further. Please visit us on hrunplug.com, where you can sign up and subscribe to the series. And please give us feedback on what you want to hear more of. And please know that you can listen to our podcast in any on-demand podcast form format. If you have anything else that you want to share with us, there'll be a short survey after the webinar closes today. Please give us your thoughts and feedback so we can continue to action and talk about the things that matter most to all of you and keep going out there and doing great work. We're so proud of all the things that you're doing. Thanks, Jennifer and Vanessa. Have a super day. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bamboo HR. Visit us at BambuHR.com HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work.